Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Cleveland Indians 3, the Minnesota Twins 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And hey, we did it. We finally got Eli Morgan that second win on the season. And frankly, Eli Morgan got himself that win by being pretty dominant on the mound. And that is going to be our top storyline from this game. Eli Morgan goes six innings, three hits, no earned runs, two walks, which did get him into a little bit of a jam, but eight strikeouts, only gives up six hard hit balls on 90 pitches, and does a pretty good job of setting the table for a Cleveland Indians win and to even up the series with the Minnesota Twins. So let's get into it. Let's get into some details about Eli Morgan's pitching. And I mean, we have to start with that bat at bat against Polanco. We absolutely have to start in the first inning. Third batter of the game, after a ground out from Max Kepler, he strikes out Brent Rooker. And then that brings up Jorge Polanco, who goes into one of the toughest at-bats probably of Eli Morgan's entire career, a 16-pitch at-bat. And we're going to run through it. Come on, let's run through it. Starts him off with a four-seam fastball that he fouls off. Throws him a changeup for a called strike. That one is covered up by something else on the Illustrator, so I have no idea. I think that was a high changeup that he threw him for a called strike. So he's up 0-2 now on Jorge Polanco and let the foul balls begin. Uh, throws him a changeup that's down for uh, that he fouls off. Throws him a four-seam fastball up that he fouls off. So, okay, I like what he's doing here. Goes low with the changeup, high with the fastball. That's always a good combo. I mean, as a hitter, that's got to keep you ridiculously off balance. Now we're going back to the changeup. Uh, another one low and outside that he fouls off. The sixth pitch is another changeup on the outside edge that he fouls off. Then he's like, all right, I'm really going to throw him off balance. Slider, slider up, he fouls that one off. All right, fine. You know, that's not working. I'm going to throw him a curveball. He lays off the curveball. It was down and in. So now he's throwing his first ball. He's finally, after eight pitches, worked it to one and two, uh, the count. Now he's going back to the changeup. That's his go-to pitch. Why not? Uh, the ninth changeup is down. He also fouls that one off. Then a four-seam fastball. All right, fine. Pump a four-seam fastball past him. Maybe the tenth pitch, high fastball. Nope, fouls that one off. Throws him another fastball inside. Tries to come in on him. He lays off that one for a ball. So now at the eleventh pitch, we're on a two-two count, and this is just getting ridiculous. Uh, throws him another changeup. Goes back to the changeup, down and away. Fouls that one off. Comes back inside with a fastball, fouls that one off. Goes back outside with a changeup. Uh, that one he lays off. So now we're to a full count, 3-2. Oh, come on. You can't lose a Eli Morgan. We're up to 14 pitches in this at-bat. The 15th pitch is a changeup outside, but up. He fouls that one off. And then finally, a high slider. Finally goes back to the slider on the 16th pitch. He had tried it on the seventh pitch and then got it fouled off. He gets him a swinging strike on the high slider uh, for the strikeout to end the first inning. A 16-pitch battle that Eli Morgan comes out on top of. And this slider had a little more 
little more break to it than that first one he threw him on the seventh pitch. So uh, the first one broke 26 inches. This one broke 29 inches. So put a little extra spin on that 16th one. So, I mean, what an incredible at-bat. I'm sure everybody in the Minnesota crowd, I'm sure Eli Morgan and Jorge Polanco were just refusing to give in on this one, and Eli Morgan ends up winning the battle. Come on, that's just fun stuff right there. I told you sometimes storylines exist within their own, right, their own little microcosm of a storyline right there, and uh, that is a beautiful at-bat. Of course, the next time Polanco would come up, it's a two-pitch at-bat. He he singles on a line drive to right field on the second pitch. Uh, Did he face him a third time here? Let's see, did Polanco, yeah, he faced him one more time, uh, and this time he swings at the first pitch and singles uh, on a line drive to shortstop on the first pitch. So Polanco is not messing around. Uh, He hasn't been messing around all series. He's been very, very aggressive all series. Uh, But let's get into it to Eli Morgan, uh, because he also gets into a jam in the second inning here and does some really nifty pitching. So now after that, he gets a nice little break. Uh, not like the Indians have a long inning or anything like that, but he at least gets to take a sip of water while the Indians strike out, strike out, and fly out in the second inning. Comes back and Donaldson singles. He then ends up walking Luis Arise and walking Mitch Garver to load the bases. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Eli Morgan is about to fall apart. I mean, maybe that 16 pitch at bat took it out of him. Maybe he doesn't have anything left in the tank. Those would be his only walks on the day, though. And he would end up striking out Miguel Sano and then getting Ref Snyder to ground back to him almost on a check swing for a double play. He goes home to first for a double play and gets out of the jam. So a beautiful job of pitching there. What did he do against Miguel Sano in that second inning? Let's go take a look at that at bat as well. Uh, To get the big strikeout with the bases loaded on three pitches, high fastball for a called strike a high slider that he fouls off, and then he buries a slider down and away that Miguel Sano flails at for strike three. Wow, that is a pretty nasty job of pitching there with the bases loaded to really take out Miguel Sano. And then Ref Snyder swings at the first pitch. It's an outside slider. And uh, yeah, he turns that double play. So that is a thing of beauty right there to get out of that jam on four pitches. Come on. Eli Morgan, and that really locked him in. Uh, he was doing a good job of throwing strikes. And, I, you know, it seems to be a theme, right? And when a guy does good, 90 pitches, 64 of them for strikes. The fastball, he was really pounding up, and then he was pounding on the right side of the plate. The changeup, he was dropping on the left side of the plate and bottoming it out underneath the plate. How most of those were to Polanco. Whipping the slider across the zone and mixing in a few curveballs, throwing a few for strikes, throwing a few down in the dirt, really mixing it up. Didn't go high with the fastball too many times. Only about four fastballs really I would consider high. There was one outlier that was way up at the top of the zone. Um, If that one didn't end up in the backstop, I'd be shocked because that one is uh, about twice the height of the shadow. You know, the shadow icons of the batters here. This one is literally almost off the StatCast page. Um, so yeah, the player breakdown for Eli Morgan, the forcing fastball was getting a ton of called strikes. Uh, nothing has a super high CSW, uh, 32% CSW on that pitch. One whiff, nine called strikes though, 
Uh, the changeup was getting some decent whiff. Got five whiffs on that. The slider got four whiffs. Um, that was his best swing and miss pitch on 12 swings, four whiffs. Frankly, it was the foul balls. The foul balls really helped him get to some strikeouts. I mean, they fouled off 14 changeups. Again, most of those are Polanco. Uh, they fouled off nine fastballs, only put three in play. Uh, they fouled off five sliders. So those add up, man. 28 foul balls add up. Uh, when you mix in 10 whiffs and 14 called strikes, it adds up to a lot of strikeouts. Now, what pitches was he using to get those strikeouts? What pitches and what locations? Mostly the changeup is in the slider. One called strike fastball to Brent Rooker uh, high on him. Then he threw a slider to Polanco to get him in that big at-bat. He threw the way outside slider to get Sano. And then he had one more slider to Donaldson in the fourth inning for a called strike. He was getting that right edge of the plate. Both the fastball to Rooker and the slider to Donaldson were off the plate by about a baseball, and he got the called strike. The other four of the eight strikeouts were on changeups, and changeups down. Uh, gets uh, Garver swinging over a changeup in the fourth. Gets Rooker swinging on a changeup in the first on a full count. Gets Simmons swinging on a changeup in the third on a one-two count. And then finally gets Rooker one more time on a changeup down out of the zone on a 2-2 count in the sixth inning. So that was his final out uh, of the game for him. So really a fantastic start from Eli Morgan. Controls the game, uses the strikeout effectively, battles against their hitters, battles out of jams. You know, it's just a fantastic pitching performance from Eli Morgan, who frankly is showing he belongs at this level. Right, it's actually going to be quite the competition next year if everybody comes back healthy, if everything goes to plan, and it's Bieber and Savali and Plesac one, two, three again, and then you have Quantrill, who definitely, I think Quantrill is definitely your fourth starter, and then uh, Eli Morgan and Tristan McKenzie might have a little battle for that fifth position. Uh, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing to have, you know, six quality guys. When we're looking at 2022, when we come back as the Guardians, right now, obviously, still a struggle. Uh, they said that Bieber and Savali both threw bullpen sessions and that, or they're throwing bullpen sessions yesterday, I think. We haven't heard, I didn't hear anything about how they went. I think they were scheduled to throw yesterday. And Savali, if it goes well, was going to go out on a rehab assignment. So Savali could be making his way back soon. I I think Bieber is still a little bit away, but it sounds like they're not shutting him down. It sounds like he's going to get a little bit of work in this fall uh, so he can get ready for next season. So that is encouraging on both pitchers there. All right, other storylines in this game. Um, the Indians offense, obviously, we're going to that side of it. It, it was a low-hitting contest from both teams. I mean, seven hits for the Indians, three runs, only four hits for the Minnesota Twins and a run. Um, they would be able to put another rally together off of our bullpen and Trevor Steffen, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but yeah, Polanco singles twice. Donaldson had a hit and Luis Rise has a hit. And that's it from Minnesota. Donaldson's hit would be the one that would set up the, uh, the big, the chance in the second inning that Eli Morgan would eventually shut down for the Indians. Ahmed Rosario would have a single on the day. He would eventually come in to score a run. 
Jose Ramirez would have a uh, a double in the first inning, but it wouldn't turn into anything because Wilson Ramos got robbed twice on the day. Wilson Ramos with Jose Ram- batting cleanup because they Framil frankly needed the day off. He needed it. Um, so we got. I mean, our lineup is decimated right now with Harold Ramirez and Bobby Bradley, and I haven't heard any updates on them. With them still out, Wilson Ramos has to pick cleanup. And he gets robbed of one that he shoots to right field with Jose Ramirez standing on second in the first inning. Then later in the game in the sixth inning with Ahmed Rosario on uh, third and Jose Ramirez on first and nobody out. He hits a monster shot to the wall in center field and they end up running it down. Uh, Ref Snyder out there in center field for the Twins ends up running it down, catching it, slamming off the wall. Ahmed Rosario tags easily and goes home. But Jose Ramirez really thought that ball was going to get over his head and uh, went too far. And uh, I I don't know if he was already around second base where he was, but he has to hustle back to first and cannot make it. They actually double him up at at first base. But the run does come in his score. So it's a bizarre double play sack fly, uh, you know, a game, a lead extending shot from Wilson Ramos. I mean, is that enough descriptors on a fly ball to center field? So uh, Wilson Ramos gets an RBI there, finally gets his RBI in the cleanup spot. So I would say he put in the work and got robbed twice in this game. And then the Indians' other run came on a nice little rally, a nice back-to-back, I wouldn't say a rally, back-to-back hits from Yu Chang and Daniel Johnson. The Columbus Clippers crew coming up to provide some support with all these injuries. Chang goes opposite field and puts a double off the right field wall. And then Daniel Johnson turns on an inside fastball. Chang took an outside slider the other way, which is a good approach. That's what you should be doing with outside sliders from righties. Daniel Johnson turns on an inside fastball. And give me more of this Daniel Johnson. Give me more of these quick hands. If Daniel Johnson can do this, he might actually find a spot in the outfield next year. Uh, this this is what we need to see. We need to see quick hands on inside pitches and bat speed and really turning on the ball. What was the exit velocity on this home run? Uh, Daniel Johnson's home run. By the way, he did have two hits on the day. Uh, Daniel Johnson's home run was 108 mile per hour exit velocity. 35-degree launch angle, 425 feet out there to right field. I mean, put it above the right field seats into the concourse up there. So a monster shot from Daniel Johnson. And I'm sure that was a huge relief for Eli Morgan, who had gone four innings of, you know, matching shutouts with Twins pitcher uh, Ober. And so they had been battling back and forth, right? Uh, zero zeros on the board through four. So this home run finally cracks things open. And I'm sure it felt great for Eli Morgan to know he had that run support and that his effort was not going to be in vain on this day. So a good job by the Indians offense there. And uh, yeah, everybody found a way to contribute a little bit, right? Everybody was almost everybody was on base except for Andres Jimenez, who had to start at shortstop. Uh, could not add any more walks, could not get on base. Uh, he was 0 for 3 on the day. Uh, but yeah, two hits from Daniel Johnson, the only one in the lineup with two hits. So that's what you got from the Indians offense. And then the bullpen was able to hold it despite 
an interesting uh, mix from the bullpen from DeMarlo Hale. Uh, it'd be interesting to know uh, if he pitches Brian Shaw on the seventh, which is normal. Uh, they really miss Nick Samlin. They are really missing Nick Samlin out there. I think he'd be getting a lot of these opportunities late in the game. Instead, in the eighth inning, with a 3-0 lead, he decides to give Trevor Steffen a shot. And what does Trevor Steffen do? Walks three hitters in a row to load the bases to start the inning. Nobody out. And that is not the way to earn more reps in high-pressure situations. He probably figures, eh, 3-0, you know, we're up 3 nothing. If he gives up a solo home run, we can live with it. Yeah, I bet he did not think he was going to walk three batters in a row. So that is pretty rough from Trevor Steffen. I mean, 21 pitches, only nine strikes. Uh, James Karinczak has to come in then. And now my question is, was Steffen in because he was getting an opportunity? Or was Stefan in because Hale really does not trust James Karinczak right now? But he's forced to go to him. I mean, what options does he have? And Karinczak actually does a decent job of getting out of the situation. Gets a ground ball that looks like it might be a double play, but I think Planco was the runner here and beats it out for a fielder's choice. So it brings in that first run, which is tr- credited to Trevor Stefan. Then he is able to lock in after that. And let me jump back to the scoreboard here. So after Planco, it's the force out. He strikes out Donaldson on a high curveball and then gets a rise to ground out to shortstop to get out of it. So a decent job from Karinczak. A great job from Karinczak there. Coming in with the bases loaded and only giving up one run is really good work. And then Classe locks it down in the ninth inning with two strikeouts and then a fly out to right to end things on a 102-mile-per-hour cutter. So the Indians' bullpen is able to hang on, and they take the win on this one. So overall, you know, not much happens in this baseball game, but it's a pretty good win for the Cleveland Indians. I got to say, they did their job. They pitched, had timely hitting, uh, and they get the win over the Minnesota Twins, who had not much fight in them. Uh, Aside from Polanco's 16-pitch at bat, they did not have much fight in them on this one. So... Honestly, that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP for the day goes to Eli Morgan. I know I forgot it yesterday. Some days I just get so into the stats or the numbers or some special topic I want to dive into that I completely forget. But Eli Morgan, MVP on the day. Again, the line, six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, two walks, which come in that second inning, which he's able to get out of, and then eight strikeouts. That changeup really working for the strikeouts. So was the slider, MVP on the day in some uh in some mlb news some big news um you know around the league bassett the great starter for oakland very scary situation i was looking for some updates this morning and didn't see any but he took a line drive back off the face on the pitching mound a scary situation for oakland uh they said it hit below his eye so he had some cuts but it looks like the eye escaped damage um it's just, man, I am sick of seeing that. I, I know you probably are too. Like, we do not want to see another starting pitcher pitcher get hit in the face and, and suffer these kind of injuries. I mean, they're devastating injuries. They're brutal, just brutal injuries. And I swear to God, if I were a pitcher in Major League Baseball, I would be investigating 
a face mask, uh, some kind of shield, something, something to protect the face. I, I don't care how uncomfortable. Make it as lightweight as you want to make it, but something to reduce the impact of these line drives. I'm not worried about getting hit in the side of the head as much as I am getting hit in the face. I mean, all of it. All of it. We have to be able to find some kind of lightweight thing that these guys could just get used to. I know they don't want to wear anything, right? They they don't like the feel of the padded hats or whatever and all the things they've tried. But, I mean, it's just getting, it's getting, it's brutal. These injuries are just, I, there's no other way to describe it. And I don't want to, I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to see any of these guys go down like this. We had a guy in our old man's softball game who got his chin opened up and needed stitches. Uh, and that's just in an old man's softball game. That was actually running the bases and, and took a throw right to the chin. Um, so, yeah, it, it, these injuries are nasty, and they've got to continue to explore ways. Like, tell me you're at least exploring ways to keep those pitchers safe. And it might take a generational change to... Uh, to adapt to wearing some kind of helmet or face mask. But that is is not good stuff. Not good for Major League Baseball. And and we just hope Bassett is okay. Hope it's just some nasty cuts and a big bruise. And uh, hopefully he's okay. So uh, that's all my thoughts on this day. Hey, for show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts. I'm talking quality stuff here. Hoodies, coffee mugs are coming soon. I promise they're coming soon. And more for men, women, kids. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes, and it's in my pin tweet on Twitter, at Davey Barris. Uh, you know, you guys have been really buying the stickers. I find that really funny. I didn't think, I was like, okay, they offer a sticker, I'll throw it in there. But a lot of you who have bought shirts have been like, yeah, throw in a sticker for me too. So that is a lot of fun. So again, the final from Minnesota, it's the Indians three, the Twins one. We've got a day game today. We've got Plesak on the mound going against Thorpe, who is 0-2. This Thorpe guy does not strike out a lot of hitters. I think his Ks per nine were like down in the threes. So the Indians hitters should have a lot of chances to put balls in play today. Uh, we'll be talking about that. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. By the way, if you want any of these links, they're always in the show notes. Just go to the show notes on whatever podcasting app you're listening on. You can click any of these links for email, for calling in, for the team, for the merch shop. All of it's there. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.